Welcome to Unsupervised Learning, a security and tech-focused podcast that looks at the ideas, patterns, and models that help you thrive in a changing world. All right, welcome to episode 378. This is Daniel Meisler, and starting off with security news. A U.S. National Guardsman named Jack Texera leaked a number of top-secret military documents in his Discord server group over a number of months. The documents were further shared elsewhere, causing them to leak all over the internet. And the leak detailed Ukraine's plans for a counteroffensive, as well as details about various European countries that were giving aid to Ukraine. Texera has been arrested under the Espionage Act. And now I'm waiting for a whole bunch of security people to call him a hero. Which uh, seems to be in fashion. OpenAI launched its bug bounty program with BugCrowd, inviting hackers to help identify and address vulnerabilities in their AI systems. Rewards range from $200 to $20,000, based on severity and impact. Great job to both teams. I can only imagine the fire hose of vulns that people have been sitting on and waiting to submit. So I imagine they're very busy over there in that program. Mandian has been investigating the 3CX supply chain attack and has concluded that it's the work of North Korean hackers, and specifically a group called UNC4736. The attackers used malware called TaxHall, which deploys a downloader called ColdCat, and 3CX has shared YAR rules and the IOCs to detect the malware. A little-known Israeli spyware company has been using its software against journalists and political figures across three different continents. Citizen Lab and Microsoft Threat Intelligence published reports calling out Quadream for its RAIN software, which is a, quote, suite of exploits, malware, and infrastructure designed to exfiltrate data from mobile devices. Israel loves some spyware, and they also love passing data over the air. Basically sidechain stuff. Like if you hear somebody exfilled data from keyboard clicks, you know it's uh, Israeli. And if you hear about a company that nobody's ever heard of that's been installing malware on mobile devices, you probably know they're Israeli as well. Okay, our sponsor Collide has the big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How would they do that? Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, which is device compliance. If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log in to your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browsers up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. It's actually my favorite part of this whole thing. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions on how to fix it. And if they don't fix the problem within a certain amount of time, their device is locked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance with your company's policy. Visit collide.com slash unsupervised learning. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash unsupervised learning to learn more and book a demo. Amazon S3 has started deploying two new default security settings for all new buckets, including enabling S3 block public access and disabling 
S3 access control list for new buckets. Fantastic news. NCR's Aloha point-of-sale platform suffered an outage due to a ransomware attack by the Black Cat ALF V gang. Or ALF 5, I'm not sure. Impacting hospitality customers and business operations. The FBI says people should avoid using public USB charging stations for their mobile phones. They say the stations in places like malls and airports may be compromised and can install malware on connected devices. Venture-backed cybersecurity startups saw a 58% less investment than a year ago, which represented a 45% drop, with only 149 total deals in deal flow. New York City abandoned its robot dog plans after a massive outcry two years ago, but it's now bringing them back. They've ordered two of the Boston Dynamics spot bots. Sounds cute enough, right? What could possibly go wrong? The city says the $75,000 bots will mostly be used like bomb robots for now, and they won't be run autonomously. They're also deploying a Nightscope K5 robot, which is designed to counter vandalism and break-ins. These things look remarkably like Daleks from Doctor Who, and uh, it's a bit disturbing. They're shaped remarkably similar, kind of like the one that was roaming around at Stanford, I believe which I think it got booted because I think it bumped into a kid or something. Anyway, yeah, one of these looks like a Dalek and the other two are dogs. And they're saying, don't worry, they won't be used autonomously, which of course is what they say right before they use them autonomously. And sorry, I'm being a little bit quiet here. It is late at night because I have to go out in the morning. That's why I'm doing the podcast late at night and my girl is sleeping in the room next door. The FBI is warning Chinese people in America not to fall for scammers claiming to be part of the PRC. They say scammers are posing as officials and stealing money from Chinese citizens. This works well because newly arrived Chinese people anywhere in the world are still strongly tied to China and feel beholden to Chinese authorities. The FBI says if you think you're interacting with someone from the Chinese government, give them a call, because they are required to register with the FBI to do such activities, so you can verify with them. And Microsoft has issued fixes for 97 flaws, including an actively used ransomware exploit. Technology News Google and Stanford collaborated to create human-like AI characters that operate in a Sims-like environment called Smallville. There are 25 separate personas that wake up, have breakfast, and go on about their days. They interact with each other and do many other human-like activities. And the whole thing is seeded with just one paragraph of prompt text for each character. And this is using ChatGPT, by the way. And then just using that prompt content the, the AIs just take it from there and just start behaving kind of like humans. And researchers interviewed the characters after they had been running for a while and found that some actually had careers. They had like taken on full lives of their own. And one had actually decided to run for mayor and started talking to the researcher about like what their plans were and, you know, what their platform is going to be and that kind of stuff. Really crazy. Companies like Uber and Amazon use AI to pay workers different wages for the same work raising concerns about algorithmic wage discrimination spreading to other industries. 
on one hand, this seems kind of okay. I mean, it, what it's doing is it, it's looking up the history of how much people made and they're trying to pay them like as much or a little bit more than what they used to make. Right. So in that sense, it's kind of okay. You, you don't want to take someone who's been making 80 K and whatever the salary is, right. They've been, let's say they've been making 80 K and they've been happy with that. And it's great. And you decide to pay them 82 K and they're really happy with that. But someone else has been making, you know, I don't know, 90 K and they're not happy with it. They want to get to 95 K. So you're like, okay, we'll pay you 96. All right. So you have people maybe doing very similar work, but they have completely different expectations for what they want and they have completely different payment histories. So that's kind of a steel man for why it might be okay to do something like this and why it might not be okay is if that's not the main reason, if the main reason is they're basically just, I don't know, finding out what the person will tolerate and like paying the lowest amount possible. I mean, isn't this kind of the purpose of all HR departments is to like, you know, keep the costs down, uh, but at the same time have retention for good employees. I mean, that's always the balance. So the question here is like, is this a shady version of this? Or is this a halfway decent version or what's most likely is some combination thereof. Bobo taxis in San Francisco seem to be running quite smoothly. The city required them to keep detailed logs on how much disruption was being caused by Cruise and Waymo robo taxis. And the numbers are remarkably small. There were evidently only like 12 driverless caused reports in around six months, more than six months, September 22 to March of 23. 12 incidents. I imagine that's way better than humans. Don't know for sure. And office vacancies in San Francisco have hit 33%, and it's 23% for Silicon Valley, and both are records. Human news. A new CDC report reveals that nearly one-third of teen girls have considered attempting suicide. That's like 30%. And nearly three in five, 57%. Actually, it is 30%. 30% of teen girls in the U.S. have considered attempting suicide. And nearly three in five, 57%, felt persistently sad or hopeless in 2021. So I'm not sure if that 30% number is 2021. Sounds like it might be. But these numbers are absolutely incredible. And by the way, these, these numbers are double that of boys. And they're also up 60% from the past decade which I, I thought that would be even a steeper race because 30% considered suicide teen girls one in three, almost. Wow. And whole foods is closing its main store in San Francisco due to safety concerns for its workers. Ideas and analysis. So I'm of two minds about what's going to happen with AI. If things go slowly enough, I think it'll put us out of our recession and basically start a new productivity boom. But if things go too quickly, and this is the way I think things are heading, we'll have acute job losses and world governments will start banning AI replacement of jobs. Currently citing in that direction. I, I think with the GPT-4 stuff, Langchain, 
lynching agents and tooling and GPT plugins, GPT-4 being connected to the internet. Like none of that stuff existed when I made my first prediction about pulling us out of a recession. And I still very much have confidence that we can create so much value from AI that it could like spin up all this hype. But what I'm worried about is what's going to happen when the government start reacting to so many jobs being lost for like, you know, the bottom difficulty of like 70% of information work, right? When McKinsey and Bain capital start coming in and start just massively replacing these jobs, these fairly repetitive information, you know, knowledge work jobs. I think, uh, I think people are going to freak out, which are going to cause representatives to freak out. And we're going to see serious government reaction and, and maybe arguably overreaction. And I think that's going to result in bans. I, I don't see how that cannot happen unless things happen more slowly and we've UBI kicks in and, and people just naturally transition out of the workforce or they find other jobs. I, I just don't see those things happening. And unfortunately, I think with Langchain agents and the ability to like just give an agent a job and it says, it says, well, I have access to Slack, calendar, email, log stuff, you know, transcripts from meetings. It has access to all these different things and it's powered by GPT-4 or five or whatever it is at the time. And it just has the ability to use all these different tools to get the job done, right? I've already got code working that does this. I, I just don't see how that doesn't result in so many jobs being lost. And I think governments will react. Notes. So I've got agents working. Yeah, right on topic here. I've got agents working in Langchain and not just working, but calling my own APIs. So in my most recent run, I asked my agent to analyze the SolarWinds incident so it makes two requests, one to Google to learn about the incident, and then one to my API to analyze the incident. And this is completely insane. And, and I'm going to share the, actually the screenshot and some code uh, around this in uh, chat. So look for that this week. And I wrote some stuff in my book in 2016, actually the whole book really, that is starting to happen. And I'm going to start talking about this a little bit more. Cause it's really, really exciting stuff. It's, it's, it's called the real internet of things because people were talking about, you know, connected dryers and hair dryers and, you know, connected sinks and all this, you know, regular home equipment and, um, regular appliances being connected to the internet. And I was like, nope, that's, that's not the real thing. The real thing is AI assistance being connected and understanding everything about the principle, which is you. And then everything around us in the world, having an API. So that's businesses, that's people, that's companies, it's restaurants, it's like parks and cities and countries. They all have APIs. And then your personal assistant, your digital assistant knows everything about you and advocates on your behalf 24 seven while you're sleeping, while you're in a conversation, it's collecting information. It's, um, testing APIs against each other to figure out which one comes back with the best results. It's researching things. It's summarizing things. And then when you have a moment, it'll like chime in and be like, Hey, do you want to 
get the answer to the question you were asking during that meeting or whatever. And you'll be like, yeah, cool. What, what was the answer? And it's like, well, I did all this research. I came back with all these answers. And that's, that's just going to be really powerful. You can have a 24 seven advocate using AI. Well, no, using a personal assistant that's calling out to all these different APIs. Now, what does this require? It requires that we stand up this infrastructure of everything having an API. It also requires that we have personal assistants, right? Well, these things are starting to happen. Both of these things are starting to happen. And uh, it's really worth checking out this book. I have never really advocated anyone to look at this book because the ideas were so far away. And honestly, I wish I had written the book a bit different. It's not my favorite book in terms of writing. In terms of ideas, I'm a fan. But yeah, I never really pushed it before because uh, it just wasn't that good because it was so far out. And very few people saw this and said, oh, damn, wow, this is really interesting and it's actually coming. So I didn't really want to push on anyone because they'd just be like, this is science fiction. Well, I think a lot fewer people are going to see this as science fiction now. So check it out. It's called The Real Internet of Things. And I'll be talking about it some later or blogging about it or something. And I'll be around the RSA area when RSA happens uh, coming up here soon. So if you're in town, let me know. And we'll be doing another UL dinner as well. So look out for that invite in chat. Discovery, chatbot UI. Run your own local ChatGPT interface using your own API key instead of OpenAI's web interface. This is faster and doesn't have the query limits of the official interface. And it's actually a nicer looking interface. It's really nice looking. Looks almost exactly like ChatGPT, just better. And this is by McKay Wrigley. Next one here is AutoGPT, an experimental open source application showcasing the capabilities of GPT-4, the language model. And this program driven by GPT-4 chains together LLM thoughts to autonomously achieve whatever goal you have set. This is all the autonomy stuff that's happening now with agents and everything. This is a full package encapsulating all of that. Fairly easy to set up as well. Um, I recommend doing this carefully because honestly, it's a bit frightening. It's a bit frightening to watch these things run. So be careful what you hook it up to and be careful what you ask it. For one, it can eat up your API keys and your you know, usage and spend money on your behalf. But two, you just want to be careful what you hook it up to. I mean, just keep in mind a predator drone could have a, an API or a wood chipper or a lawnmower or, I don't know, a super sharp knife. I have no idea what we're putting APIs on these days, but just uh, be cautious of that stuff. And the next one, Ben's Bytes, Hacker News, but for AI. Quite slick, actually, although I hate going to web pages. would rather consume it another way. And uh, next one here, it happened to me today, an $80 per hour writer replaced by ChatGPT. How much would someone have to pay you to switch from iPhone to Android forever? So you can never go back to iPhone. How much would someone have to pay you to do that? This is a question that Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett pointed out. Uh, he basically said that a lot of people would not take the money. They wouldn't even take $10,000 to never be able to use an iPhone again. No messages, no, I don't know, find my, all those things would have to go away. 
I'm asking myself this question, and I think the answer is something like, I can't even imagine the number. It's not even $5 million. I, I don't think I could spend the rest of my life using Android for $5 million. I, I think that's how much I like the Apple ecosystem and using Apple products. Um, and not just because of UI or anything like that, but just the way they all fit together and work together. I think my productivity would be seriously hampered if I was uh, in another ecosystem. But it's an interesting question. I mean, ask yourself that. Obviously, it works better for people actually using an iPhone. Okay, laid off by big tech and then recruited, recruited, that's the word, for contract work at the same place. So this is somebody who got laid off, I think, by Amazon and then got reached out to do the exact same work as a contractor. Not super surprising. Cole Comfort from our UL community has a new podcast. Check out the first episode with Toby Amodio. Congrats to Cole for getting that out there. Jupiter One's 2023 State of Cyber Assets report. Nick St. Pierre is the best natural photography prompter in the world. That's my opinion. You should check it out. Sam Altman says they're not training GPT-5 and won't for some time. Huberman Labs Sleep Toolkit. Project Discovery is having a meetup for users on Tuesday, April 25th at RSA. And I got the link here. And there's going to be demos and swag. And Sam Altman also says the parameter count is a lot like the gigahertz race from the 1990s. So the size of the model is not everything. And that it ultimately won't matter as much as other factors, in his opinion. And a link here to some Mac OS cursors, which I might try out. Recommendation of the week. So it's hard to know what skills we will need to thrive post AI, but I'm pretty certain that programming just became way more important than it was previously and was already pretty important. So not super deep programming in any particular language, but programming concepts, the fundamentals, the ability to stitch code together and make things. So I asked Twitter for the best way to get those fundamentals. And a lot of people recommended Harvard's CS50 course. And this is a free course. I've just looked at it. It's like 11 weeks long. So that's, that's a lot of stuff. Another option is just ask ChatGPT to teach you how to code. Tell it you want to learn fundamentals and you're a beginner. And it could teach you like tons of stuff. You'll probably have to do multiple prompts or whatever. But that's one way to learn a lot faster and in a lot more sort of directed way. But if you have the time, you and anyone you care about should learn how to program in my opinion, to be more resilient in this economy that's coming uh, post AI. And again, you want to learn the logic, you want to learn the flows, you want to learn about how to troubleshoot. You also want to learn how to use ChatGPT and GPT-4 to troubleshoot and solve errors. Um, my programming has been like 20x. Like I'm a 20x better programmer as a result of GPT-4. And, uh, I was already a one though. I was already a, you know, halfway decent coder beforehand. And now I'm just up leveled. But the point is you can't go from a zero to like a seven using ChatGPT four, because you have to be able to program first. You, you can't just ask it to give you code and you won't know what to do with it. Right. If you don't know how to program. So 
you've got to get the basics. I recommend the CS50 course if you have the time and the effort to spend into that. And if not, use ChatGPT and GPT-4 to teach yourself. And the aphorism of the week, the unknown is the greatest enemy, but curiosity is the greatest weapon. The unknown is the greatest enemy, but curiosity is the greatest weapon. Matshona Dilwayo. Unsupervised Learning is produced and edited by Daniel Meisler on a Neumann U87 AI microphone using Hindenburg. Intro and outro music is by Zombie with a Y. And to get the text and links from this episode, sign up for the newsletter version of the show at danielmeisler.com newsletter. We'll see you next time.